the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. Anybody here? Who's there? Hello and welcome back to 31 for 31. We're coming to you today with episode 29, Return of the Living Dead. And don't get it too twisted. It's not a sequel. It has a lot of sequels, but I guess the Living Dead returning is just because they were alive once. So hope you're uh, here to listen to our preferred Living Dead joint. There's a lot to choose from. We'll talk about why we didn't maybe pick some others, but this one's a lot of fun and we're excited to talk about it. And who's that we were talking about? Of course, after 29 episodes, I hope you know I am Cody Mason, joined by Chris Boniello and Jamie Lansdowne. Excited to get down with this one. Yeah, that's and why this is, they call this him. This is living dead, not just dead. That's why they call him trash because he's ready to get down. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll have some trash talk. You guys have on. the same haircut. It's true. Yeah. Same same outfit right now, actually. Um, well, this, yeah, that's a pretty bad murky. <laughs> cut it. Cut that all out and double it. No. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I think uh, this one is a kind of death rock, punk rock, nineteen eighties, a little comedy genre movie in the tradition of, say, like Repo Man. I think would be a fair comparison. Yeah. Very Repo Man with with more fun. Yeah, I like Repo Man. Repo but this Man, is fun. Repo Man uh, has its has its uh, droll moments. This one is uh, firing at all cylinders. I think at all times. So I think it's a really fun movie. I think it's got a lot of standout zombie personality moments, which I think is pretty rare. Maybe in like Day of the Dead, you got that. But the, these zombies really feel like characters rather than just kind of like a force. And uh, it's definitely got a fun set of rules that makes it even more tense and of course it's a countdown movie it's really like a countdown to uh to a big a big explosive ending so i think that it fits some real fireworks before yes if you will so i know that people will be saying hey it takes place in the fourth july is it a fourth july movie no i think it's got uh <laughs> first of all no i'm not i'm not regarding your opinion as, as valid but uh i think we've got a uh a pretty good case here for why it kind of checks our our halloween boxes even more so than maybe Turn of the Living Dead, Shaun of the Dead, Juan of the Dead, you know, whatever of the deads you, you've got. I, I think this one really fits the groove, pun intended, of uh, the list we're trying to put together. Yeah. And you've only got two lines. One saying, like, what are you doing Sunday? Oh, I'm going to a barbecue 4th of July. And that's it. <laughs> and by the way, it says early morning, July 4th. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't uh, seem like July weather. But yeah, yeah. The time stamps, I was like, I mean, this being the first time I've seen it, I was interested when they started off with timestamps, how much I need to pay attention. And then I realized that didn't matter at all. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. It takes place in uh, Unida. And, uh, you know, you need a better name for your town if you, if you catch my meaning, you know. Uh, Jamie, why don't you cut me off before I hurt myself? <laughs> well, I just say following the insanity of House... And like we're in like the stretch, we're at the end of the tame. month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, insanity is like the the most the the simplest way I could say what a house is. 
But I'd say this is the end of the month. We are on a stretch of films that are just all bangers. And this is like such a great zombie movie that, you know, we haven't really done any zombie movies except for Trick or Treat. Those zombies in that film, really, right? I think we can call some things zombies that are kind of like ghouls or, or whatever. But this mm-hmm. is this is a brain eating fest, right? Like, yeah. I think, you know, you've got your your Night of the Living Deads, which would be kind of the the staple go to. But I think ends up being a little meditative for my taste for this list is a little bit more of a downbeat kind of thinker than I think people give it credit. And it's a slow it's a slow burn kind of like chamber drama really. And yeah, and this is a punk rock show. Like this is just like a, an absolute, uh, you know, bit for bit of this is just as exciting as most other zombie movies get in their climax. So I would relate it to like my favorite zombie movie is Shaun of the dead because I'm, I'm a basic bitch. And I, I've always <laughs> loved it. But I would say like the tension of the end of Shaun of the dead when it goes full horror movie is that sense of just like the Winchester absolutely getting broken into and and you know everybody being finally scared shitless rather than laughing or cracking wise and this movie feels like that from like the moment a zombie enters the scene 20 minutes in or so or 10 probably like 10 or 15 minutes in so i think this one uh for this part of the list for what we're trying to hit and to get our zombie fix is just like a lean mean brain-eaten machine so i i think it's a a perfect third to last to get your energy up i mean you got to get ready we're getting close to party time it's friday night it's friday night you better be partying especially the moment that hits well under the movie when the zombies full-on come back and like (laughs) a zombie head pokes out of the ground and it's just like are you ready to rock like (laughs) (laughs) with eyeballs yeah it comes back later yeah i'm i'm already fully into the movie but when that moment hits i'm just like fuck yeah this is awesome yeah someone hand me a beer like we're going like this we're is going such- streaking <laughs> i do love that that is like every time the yeah. zombies start talking is such a fun element to this talking zombies underrated you heard yeah. it first send more paramedics awesome send yeah. more cops <laughs> yeah, yeah this is a this is a definite uh you know, it's it's like borderline. I mean, it is kind of like a, a spoof in a sense, but it's like just kind of towing that line of like still being its own thing. They sort of talk about the original Night of the Living Dead as a real event, and that like it was actually like a, you know, like the backstory is that oh that actually happened, and it was the, it was because of this the secret military gas, and then you know obviously these two bumbling idiot characters who set off this whole chain of events. I like those guys. I love them. No, yeah. I love I'm going to defend them. those, that Ford. Yeah. They're not full earnest goes. <laughs> living yeah. Dead. No, I, I think this, like the whole agent orange of it all that sets this off, I think is an interesting tweak. And I think it's great that it's just like your first day on the job. Somebody's trying to impress you with like, Hey, you want to see the cool stuff in the back and you end the town's existence because of that <laughs> great consequence. But for those who were uninitiated, like Chris before this, you noob, um he uh i know i can't believe i missed this movie yeah it's uh you know it's rewatchable but you've got a medical supply warehouse you've got a foreman you've got a new kind of like pseudo punk worker there you know getting the job done and he's showing off his wares of some of the old corpses and 
dogs cut in half you yep. know like bisected have dogs. <laughs> any, yeah. any typical you know any typical closet you could look into and half uh, dog half dog coming to you live like after cat dog but movie kicks off immediately with them just like going to a tank and being like hey and then, then there's always this tank the old clunker nudge and psh, the, the agent <laughs> orange equivalent sprays all over we realize that it can reanimate dead flesh whether that's half a dog or you know a bunch of corpses in a meat locker or a tar man if you will the the famous zombie from this who gets his face melted off when it comes out that knocks them out they wake up they're like let's not tell anybody (laughs) but uh that 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 plan goes to shit pretty quickly once they realize they're uh in out of their heads pun intended uh because you can't re-kill these zombies which i like like it's a simple solution but it's just kind of said like yeah, this these zombies are back alive, ish. They're living dead, but like, oh, let's kill them, and then everybody kind of looks around. They're like, you can't. They're dead. That, that there's no <laughs> rekill. There's no headshots. Do it. It's really just you're stuck with them, and we'll get to maybe our suggestions of how to deal with the situation. But obviously, it takes a very dramatic turn with some of their clever ideas to that exacerbate everything pretty quickly. I remember when I first saw this being like pissed off that it did they didn't have any rules and that you couldn't kill them it like made me upset <laughs> i was like no they're supposed to die from a headshot why are they still alive this is so annoying jamie's yelling at the vhs <laughs> cover like you didn't do what i that's like kind of what do <laughs> that's kind of what it was i was just like what this doesn't make any sense like yeah. all my all these years i've just been learned i've been taught one thing it was just like something it they had changed in a written yeah. history or something. It's like twilight glistening. You're like, oh, that's not allowed. You know, they got to burn in the sun. So call Dan O'Bannon. He'll kill. He'll be like, hey, man, I was just having fun. But it does create that that interesting wrinkle. Well, what are they going to do? And obviously they solve it by vaporizing an entire town, I guess. Yeah, they got a friend over at the it. morgue, which is conveniently located, and he's he's a fun character. Oh, yeah, as well. and Chris, you're right. It doesn't solve it because yeah, it just they, makes things worse. Well, that's the problem. That's the exacerbation yeah. I was talking about because it just is like, cool, let's put that into the air and it'll rain zombie reanimation goop from the sky. You know, so I think that's really the part that makes this movie just pretty cyclical and again just like it follows we just got to start going to the area of like we got to dry some people in some cement and bury them in some tombs (laughs) which is my answer to a lot of horror movies of the unkillable variety but yeah this the 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 second kind of narrative of this that collides pretty quickly is you know a group of i guess I don't know. I could Bad be corrected. I would argue like probably more accurate punks than <laughs> usually portrayed, but still pretty ridiculous punks <laughs> named like yeah. Spider Trash. This isn't a cost. <laughs> yeah. Suicide. Yeah. Su- suicide. Hilarious names. I love, I love the names. I love the phrase like suicide was killed um, in, in the <laughs> Wikipedia entry of this. But um you know, they are trying to have a fun night out, kind of just being debaucherous and and waiting for their friend who is the new person over at the supply warehouse and they go to the graveyard, they're stomping it up and quickly realize there's, there's something in the water when it starts raining on them. And Jamie's favorite, least favorite character trash definitely takes the brunt of that acid rain because she has a gratuitous nude scene for pretty much the rest of the movie. So that's Linnea Quigley. She's kind of a, a, 
you know, sexual empowerment icon in the final girl uh, lexicon. But this movie, we again can be convinced otherwise, probably not the best, <laughs> you know, evidence to that point. A little gratuitous in terms of her just being called trash, <laughs> dancing naked the whole movie in front of men and then being like ripped to pieces nude in for, sand pretty soon. For no that. reason. Within five minutes of her introduction, she's like, I'm going to have a dance on top of a tomb completely naked yeah. and there's sh- and also talks about how much she wants to be eaten by a group of men yeah which you know what like there's an argument to be made that it's just like very very witty and very very you know biting haha <laughs> um about you know what those characters are made out to be in, in other movies or whatever but just like we said in previous episodes like yeah well you know you just still put that character in there even if it's referential so it's a uh, it's a it's a she does a good job of what she's given, which is uh, not much clothes. So that's going on. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it really collides when they go to check on the warehouse. Obviously, we've got a couple bad boys, the tar man whose face melted off, all kind of running around in that area. And uh, suicide is killed. <laughs> so sorry for any suicide fans. We, got, we realize that they're going right for the noggins. These zombies are reanimating. In the, you know, we're seeing this happen in the graveyard that they walked through, which is right in this through line between, you know, the town, the warehouse, the graveyard, and the, of course, the resurrection cemetery slash morgue are all kind of right next to each other. Pretty convenient. Convenient geography this movie has. And these zombies are looking specifically for brains. They can talk. They kind of have feelings. So this is where the the whole plot kind of becomes pretty simple. It's just a question of punks and working class, you know, (laughs) warehouse and morgue operators batting down the hatches and trying to solve this problem, knowing that there's literally nothing you can really do because burning one up only put it into the atmosphere and made more. It's just prevent, prevent, prevent as much as possible. And uh, we start to lose people one at a time. Trash goes first. So that's the that's the end of trash talk. (laughs) Chris, how did you think it was going to resolve itself? I wasn't sure. I was waiting for them to figure out some sort of solution each time with the characters as they first do the like fireman's axe or pick to the to the head then they take off a head i was waiting for one of those you know stab a heart to finally be the moment that it would happen and then and then i do just love you know the call to the military and you finally get the reveal of who that guy is at the beginning who's pissed off about everything and his wife made his favorite but he already had it for lunch <laughs> and that's when i was like oh they're gonna nuke this whole town it's very like you know the cra- i don't know yeah i don't know when the crazies came out in comparison to this but like the yeah, whole the original crazies would have been out for a while the whole you know nuking the town at the end with the zombies yeah spoiler for the crazies you didn't sign up for that guys <laughs> oh guys oh i'm sorry that's that's what we're doing on 31 <laughs> yeah no not really guys uh the remake yeah only here which, for timothy oliphant cast but yeah, I wasn't sure what they were going to do. I was I kept trying to sit here and be smarter than it. And then it it just, you know, it didn't need it. Yeah, I like that. It's just like, you know, it's not a step by step ride into 
inevitable progressions and like getting to a certain escape path or like a certain specific countdown that gotta get to the helicopter in time you know there's no real clear objective here other than just like surviving as long as possible all of these little folks start to just give some really fun dialed in performances of being (laughs) as stressed as you would be and i think that's something i respect about this is just like grown you know kind of 50 something men just being like empathetically (laughs) confused by this situation and like pretty much nice folks like for the most part they kind of try to hide like a medical situation obviously not great but after that point they all are just kind of like you know not screwing anybody over for the most part nobody's like the you know in that group is the backstabber or anything they're just kind of fun comically bumbling but not too bumbling folks dealing with an impossible situation the interplay between these characters makes it like they are so funny working off at one another and just like you know you have the two characters that set this whole thing off and like they're who i love by the way i was not i was dissing them making a mistake yeah, watch out them. jamie <laughs> yeah this is a stand pot but it's such a wonderful interplay and then how they call their boss and they're just like so stressed out and the punk characters so like kind of realistically being so freaked out and like how they're all interacting they become survivors that you know maybe not the deepest but they just all add their own little little like idiosyncrasies that make them stand out as individual characters and that you don't just they're not just like fodder to be eaten necessarily and even yeah. like the paramedics and like cops that come through, like it's <laughs> like those, that's just, those are the fodder and it makes it so funny where it's just like, all right, well here, they're, oh, they're another lamb for the slaughter when like, <laughs> and it just keeps getting worse and worse. Like they have that like police line and they're like, we're going to hold them back. Yeah. And it's just completely <laughs> obliterated. <laughs> yeah, no chance. And I, I think that's what's great about this is like once they stop kind of dancing around and having a party, like the punk characters just aren't, acting quote-unquote like punks or anything they're just again like any token survivor one of the guys who's named like spider ends up being like elevated to co-lead by the end even though he was kind of in the background anyway like oh he was alive and he's just useful so why not yeah like sure and i think that's a a nice thing where there isn't a lead to this movie like there isn't anybody that stands out as somebody that is going to like there's a romantic pairing and they're trying to get back together but that's a side plot like as much as you can say that the guys that you see at the beginning are the protagonists just because we're with them the longest like that they don't necessarily die in that order like it's really this weird ensemble and you're just rooting for most everybody that's alive like i don't think any of the punks except for maybe one are like big jerks when they're alive and anything like it's just a, a normal group of folks trying to get and he's not really that biggest of a jerk he's just kind of annoyed i think that he kind of <laughs> used him for his car and now he's dead yeah, yeah. Like, that's as bad as it gets in this whereas in, you know again like Shaun of the dead you got somebody who's like betraying them and opening the door or whatever like no you just get like a, a group of people that are like oh wow you look incredibly different than what i'm used to do you want to help me barricade this door like you know, so i think that adds to it because they still have all the punk elements that make it fun and of course the soundtrack to this is just like fucking face melters you know, yeah yeah just all banger after banger after banger and add so much texture to this that make it unique and like fun while being unsettling but i think the you know the characters are very under caricatured compared to what they 
you kind of expect them to be when mm-hmm. they first are walking down the street and somebody's got like a paint can as a nose ring for God's sakes. <laughs> you know? So I think they uh, they do well by their their. I was half characters. expecting a uh, a moment of like all the punks being like Freddy, like when'd you go legit, man? Why do you have a job or something like? You trying to yeah, leave they kind of call him kind of narky, but then they're also like, "Hey, he's got a job. He'll pay for beer, like whatever, you know." Who? Yeah, and pay for gas. I mean, they don't really, they don't hark on each other too much. It does, it does feel like in the middle there. I was wondering kind of where the story would go, but it does these fun little set pieces in each location. Again, you have your initial characters in the location. They move, they move to the second one. Your new characters go from one back to the other. And it's just it's just a little fun house of horrors going around all of that. Yeah, and once the Agent Orange stuff hits the cemetery, like there's a really good sense of like at any moment there could be five or a hundred zombies around, you know. And then it, that, once that it, was a big surprise to me, seeing the zombies surprise people and kind of plan an attack a bit more. Right. Where I was like, oh wait, they, they're waiting. <laughs> yeah, and you start to root for them outside of the main characters. Like you've got probably like five or six people left to barricade themselves in the in the morgue and in like the chapel near the morgue and you want those people to survive they're interacting well and you know we know those characters and like them but then you know when they're calling cops when they're calling paramedics when the news reporters are around and they're breaking into the town like it's just a very gleeful watch of like oh i want to see how they trick this group of people into joining the horde basically because they're just (laughs) you know pretending to be a cop with a flashlight and then out of the bushes you know it's a very funny thing and i think one of the things that isn't funny about this but i think it's definitely like dan o'bannon wrote this he adapted it from the same material that night of the living dead was based on the john russo stuff and he wanted to add some degree of like let's feel for the zombie kind of heart moment other than just having a a sense of like they can be fun silly characters and i think the the best writing addition to this in terms of zombie lore that i is probably if I had to name one, like the reason that I would advocate for this being on the list, because I think it's just like you have such a fun movie and this idea is so haunting that in all other zombie movies, it's just kind of understood that they like brains, but they kind of interview a deteriorating zombie (laughs) about like, what's up? Why are you doing this? This is so rude. You know? (laughs) And like they, it's really, really, really underlined that all zombies are doing is eating brains because it takes the pain away of rotting that they have to live with because they can't kill themselves again. And that's just like, well, then you got me. Like, I don't know what to do with you. Like, that's that's a great, great reason, I guess. So it's, you know, absolutely make the pain stop. Yeah. 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 No, it totally makes you understand why the zombies would do it, why they're going to be setting up traps and eating people. And and I, I think this from doing some of my initial research after watching it that this is kind of the origin of eating brains and every other thing had been flesh and different things up to this and that i like that in that interview scene you get you know a little bit of exposition but it's from a half half body woman (laughs) yeah Yeah. very good kind of dan o'bannon practical effect and for reference dan o'bannon of course is like the reason that total recall looks so weird (laughs) you know like kind of when practical effects reached their like nadir but also their best around like total recall this movie you know it, he was involved in a lot of that in terms of you know making all of that production design excellent he's he's back as like the writer and production designer of dark star if you're a Car- john carpenter yeah. fan 
a John Carpenter student film fan. <laughs> right. You know, he he was did design on Alien. Like he's in it. You know, he, he did some stories for heavy metal. Like if you're into this kind of genre fair, Dan O'Bannon's around. And this was supposed to be a Toby Hooper movie, really. Like this was originally just going to be like much more meat and potatoes, Toby Hooper. They had Dan O'Bannon do a pass at it. And then he just like took it over. And the sweetest line of my research that I thought was so nice was Dan O'Bannon's quote about actually getting to direct this movie and have it be like wholly his own is I spent 37 years of my life not even being alive. Now I am fulfilled. <laughs> Just like, oh, yeah. you know, well, I mean, you know. Great for I, I hope I say that when I finally direct it. Yeah, now he's back to living death. Yeah. Yeah. So he. Oh, and going back to that, just that little interview scene, there's there's a few sound moments that I thought were amazing of the the spine and the bones just kind of hitting the table that the effects added into that were the weight was so good that it, it really takes away from it kind of being in some of those shots a bit puppetish and you feel that spine smacking on the metal table. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of attention to like, you know, some of the m- most famous zombies in this, of course I would, I'll, I'll name that half woman as one. And by the way, I feel really bad because I realized Dan O'Bannon is dead. And now I'm like, oh man, that's kind of a bad joke to say. But anyway, he wouldn't have minded. That's his avenue, right? Yeah, yeah that's what he's about. We're praising yeah. his work. Uh, exactly. Uh, second would be the tar man who's on a lot of metal t-shirts. Who's just a guy whose face is dissolved, who yells brains and looks kind of goofy and has a great chomping on. This movie has a lot yeah. of good chomping through the hardest part of your skull, which is... <laughs> a scene right through the yeah, town yeah like blood. it's a Reese's Pieces or yeah. something yeah whatever Jamie is looking for yeah. so and then the last one with and the, the eyes too I mean Tarman having eyes is, is kind of that big right difference. right just like really big but even the skeletal ones have these big yeah bulging eyes and then last one would be kind of the more specialized uh you know character getting turned back into something else back to trash talk Kurt for Jamie, <laughs> trash of course, fully naked gets not not the band, the person. Yeah, yeah no, maybe a little bit of both. Um, but she becomes all porcelain white again, still naked. Don't worry about it. And then like with spiky, spiky, crazy red hair, and her uh, face kind of contorts to become like this giant jaw thing in a few moments. So she gets to be scares you know, the shit out of me. The first time she showed up, yeah. I was I wanted a little freaked more. out. <laughs> Jamie is like so so locked into trash i think this is <laughs> this is really something that we should unpack it no no episode. no it's just that i texted you guys when i was watching it being like oh yeah i forgot in the first five minutes there's this totally gratuitous <laughs> dancing which we've already covered that's all it is it has been building up since getting closer to this episode it's like oh we have to we have to take out the trash in a sense <laughs> You've been waiting. It's trash day. Here we are. So, no, my, my MVP, uh, let her, let her dance. My MVP is James Karen, <laughs> who audiences probably recognize as the the uh, the villain, the secondary villain of Poltergeist, who uh, Craig T. Nelson screams at and says, "You move the bot," or like you know. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah. the you, you move Native the, American burial ground. Yeah, the, like, <laughs> yeah. what is he? What's like? He's like, yeah, you didn't move the bodies, did you? Like that guy, like who I have ingrained my memory from just being like, what have I done? He plays Frank in this movie, and he is my MVP for just being the most lovably bumbling fool who starts yeah, this whole. It's technically thing. all his fault. He bumps yes. it open but and like, get, he plays and, it ultimately kills himself at the end very very sad scene of him yeah that's the other scene that's like 
wow, that's again, like a, a heavy thing to think about. But honestly, like him climbing into the incinerator at a morgue is like, yeah, that's a pretty wise move. Like that's the only way to get out of this cycle. So that's again, like it makes you confront some other like more visceral realities that other zombie movies don't. And zombie movies definitely usually make you think about a lot of visceral yeah. realities. So it, it's it's interesting that they could push it even further. There's more honest heart in this than I feel like in a lot of the other ones where, you know, there's less need need for subtext about it being a reflection on whatever ism of the day but this you know the moment of him going into the the crematorium and into the furnace and he takes off his wedding ring and leaves it there and there's there's just these little moments even just the interview of needing brains to get out of this pain there's there's so much richness to that that brings humor and heart versus just them being a force and and you're only connected to one half of the characters Yeah, and I think zombie movies, and of course, I would argue horror movies in general, are always like a very good vehicle to combat something like Night of the Living Dead combating racism, Day of the Dead, or Dawn of the Dead uh, combating consumerism, uh, consumerism yeah. Day of the Dead, military industrial complex, like Shaun of the Dead, a middling relationship. You know, everything <laughs> is is kind of coverable. But this one is like, I would argue, a movie about dealing with death. Like, <laughs> I think that's like, oh, wow, that's fertile ground to plant those seeds a movie called return of the living dead and like really dealing with like death and the sense of like material rotting and all that kind of stuff that you just kind of push out of your head and don't think about it when you walk by a graveyard and this one really has those moments whether it's you know like the zombies complaining about the pain they feel rotting or that guy self-immolating it's like wow that's a that's a heavy feeling that really brings you into that kind of very dark thinking while still having a fun time you know so that's why i think this one is just very unique it's like it, it covers a lot of uh of heavier ground while being like at face value a very light kind of uh riffy movie yeah and i i, I kind of worry that i mean obviously like horror fans it's it's pretty famous movie in terms of like those sort of circles and niches but i feel like it's not a very mainstream movie like, I feel like if we asked any of our friends who aren't in the horror movies, they'd be like... I mean, I hadn't seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a third of us hadn't seen it. We're doing a goddamn Halloween movie podcast. Yeah. I wonder if we have any bona fides. Not anymore, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we're doing this late. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but do you feel like it's, it's almost like slipping through the cracks of like, you know, it is from 85. You know, it's... It's... what math of 36 years old or whatever at this point so it's sort of good math <laughs> but um this was made at the height of the 80s like this is such an encapsulation of the very like high points of that decade in terms of just style and filmmaking and just being able to get away with some ridiculous movie like this that you maybe for better or worse can't make today i don't know i just and, you know, they they tried to capture it again with a few sequels that didn't really weren't as successful. But it's like the 30 rack of Halloween movies. It's just like it is just like so much fun. But also, like you said, like has that heart to it that really makes it. Like, it's it's out. that guy who walks into the party with the taco 12 pack and, yeah. everybody and the commercial goes, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and I think like to your point, Jamie, about kind of the cult status is like if you think of just from the hip, like 
you know, Eraserhead or the Warriors <laughs> or like Escape from New York or, you know, like even Evil Dead franchise. Like a lot of things would have cult mm-hmm. associated with them, even though they've like definitely entered mainstream American consciousness or like would have some, you know, name recognition. But I think this is one that for better or for worse is more on the lowercase C cults alongside <laughs> like killer clowns or like scanners or yeah, like yeah, yeah. those kind of even maybe, um, you know, for better or for worse, even repo man. But like, I think that's the kind of Avenue it's in where it's gotten this steady appreciation, but for people who love the genre, even like it probably would be in my top five zombie movies. And so I'm probably exhausted zombie movies as much as any monster category out there. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's probably, plenty of folks who have seen Zombieland double tap that haven't seen this. And I think that's a real shame. So, yeah, but you know, and zombie movies, like we said, this was kind of the first and maybe the only like full fledged zombie movie. And I think it was very particular to choose this one in this block sandwich between house and tomorrow's pick, which are kind of just this zany kind of goofy movies that, have their own sort of cult status. And I think they're very much emblematic of Halloween and how just pedal to the metal they are. <laughs> yeah, I think this this following house, of course, house being wildly frenetic and just kind of a visual, you know, stimulation fast in this keeping the stimulation going, but getting a little bit more into something where you can feel like the weekend of Halloween is here and the party has begun, so to speak. That's our, that's our like, keep it weird, but keep it a little bit more of a, you know, like, oh man, the needle dropped, so to speak. Especially with the soundtrack, it feels like, you know, the party is, is starting. Yeah. You've got, you got some heavy riffs, you got some nice synths, you got some, some drum machines going through it. You know, it feels like, (laughs) yeah, this is the bass button being hit. Just like, Oh yeah. We're on the dance floor now. And I think one thing that I will tease, we talked a lot about like, Oh man, you know, what about Shaun of the dead? Night of the living dead would have been a staple. People would have expected it. I think one thing we'll tease now that we're on the 29th and you know, everybody's worried like, Oh man, 31 episodes that's coming to a close. You know, it's going to be a banger to end it. I'm sure, you know, thanks for being along for the ride for 29, but I think we've got one last little special for you at the very least, maybe a little bit of an all souls day, all saints day, you know, depending on when we put it out release and maybe a little bit of a retrospective of, you know, how we feel about the list as a whole, the feedback we've gotten from you, you guys have been, you know, great connecting on social and, and talking about the picks and maybe going a little bit deeper on, Hey, you know, like you picked Hellraiser, you know, you picked Shaun of the Dead, you know, you didn't pick Shaun of the Dead, but you talked about it. Like, what about those didn't check the boxes or what about those did, but you just couldn't find a slot in the list that really made it mesh along with others. Cause again, like I think all of our favorite horror movies were not on this list. Yeah. Because I think our initial list was, you know, 95 movies. <laughs> yeah. A lot of weird. We, if you thought some of their weird takes, if you if you thought the lore was weird, we had some like, hey, let's let's take a step back and uh, really think. About but it was it was. Weird. <laughs> is, is, the, is the ensemble rom-com Valentine's Day really a Halloween movie? Um, anyway, I will say that. I, I my latitude for Halloween movies is a lot wider. We found than everyone than uh, Chris and Cody's. 
hey, you know what? I think we all had our, uh, you know, our. I put the lure in there, so yeah, I don't know. Chris, Chris had the Blu-ray, and he was like, "Sold," you know. So I think we all had our. Uh, Gotta open this thing up finally. Right, we had our very stretchy picks, and I think they were all to the benefit of the list. I'm, I'm very. Happy I mean, I think I think talking about the lore, it might be a little bit in conversation with uh, what we end up watching tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think yeah. so, and and uh, you know. It's a good wrap up talk about Return of the Living Dead, but you know, speaking of hooks, um, we've got two very special guests. Our last guests of the podcast series coming tomorrow as well, which they're very qualified to handle the uh, zigs and zags. So we've got all of the, uh, you know, I got to come up with a better, but not obvious joke here. (laughs) But I think the you know to to cap it off with Return of the Living Dead, it's a it's a wild ride. It's definitely got a great very heartfelt and earnest uh interplay of characters for what you expect when this movie starts off which always resonates with me like chris was saying but you know just to talk about good old nuketown i think that's always a fun ending whether it's fail safe or you know whatever the crazies apocalypse let's just nuke it and forget about it movie you're thinking about it definitely casts a a big mushroom cloud and shadow over the fun that was being had but still makes you feel like oh okay that's the logical conclusion to how this was exploding unless you're going to have a uh, little shop of horrors they took over the world ending and I, I think the the movie gets to exist as a franchise and everything else just because they go right back to the mushroom cloud raining radiation, which then just gets the same people from the graveyard back, even the same exact skeleton from earlier. So yeah, yeah we're, we're things go in cycles, <laughs> which I don't mind because yeah. I love that skeleton. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. There, there is an actual shot that goes forward and then reverses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't worry about it. I, I think again, like anytime you get to this kind of point and you just kind of blow up the world, it's, a little bit of a it was all a dream kind of ending but with this kind of movie it does feel fun and again like we haven't touched on it much chris did but you know the frame narrative that gets like very weirdly put out about just some california bureaucrat who is just having marital troubles (laughs) and like kind of phoning it in at work being the guy who ends up being the colonel who calls in the nuke does make this kind of deserved a little bit too so i i think this is a tight 90 it's crafted so that it's just like immediately ratcheting it up tension and fun but it's also the small little bits of detail to add some flavor to characters to make some moments some more poignant like that's where a lot of movies could have just been focused on like oh this is a you know the set piece around the ambulance and you know we'll, we'll just have that be like a really cool brain scene and not really think about much else and i think this movie has like a very fun very different logic and attention to survivors in a way that a lot of other movies just kind of typecast and have people fall into slots and go from a to z this movie they go from a to b to a to b to a to c <laughs> to the sky because they all got blown sky high and you know it still works it still doesn't feel uh anything less than just a tight tight 90. i think this movie's halloweeny insofar as how it's kind of like the halloween party movie and i think that's pretty much what we're gonna get all this weekend so don't you worry it's not going anywhere but this is a big bash coming at you through the windows to you know with a six-pack in a in a nice boom box in stow. So I think this one really catches all the spooky groove of of getting together and trying to stay alive on Halloween night. So 
and it's got a you know a nice a nice set of punks with with good costume ideas for you to put together a nice group ensemble this year and it's definitely a fun group watch i would i would love to throw a movie night and have people over and make way too much popcorn and drink a bunch and put this on really loud and just afterwards then put on the soundtrack and just laugh like it's just you maybe fun. take your clothes off and just dance on top of a tomb you know whatever floats your boat yeah i'm not as into it but if people are i'm not here to kink shame like jamie <laughs> yeah jamie really is on, on he's unlocking some part of himself that he's really i'm editing all this out jamie's editing jamie's always out. always wanted this he's always wanted this he's just now admitting it uh I'm more of, I'm more of <laughs> like tomorrow's episode will be completely well tomorrow's episode to make our last Jamie trash is your ducks in the pool. <laughs> yeah. The gabagool. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh I think to uh lead in one final time to tomorrow like we said it's going to have a lot of other big hits and needle drops for you to dance along with. And I think the other thing is, you know, might uh, awaken a little something sexually in you as well. So, you know, but yeah, if you haven't been part of that party already, then you're cordially invited to the Frankenstein place tomorrow. But it's not what you're thinking. Good tease. Thank you for listening up to this wild, wild weekend. We hope you all get to have full parties, something at least in person. If not, get a little Zoom going, get a costume. I know we're going to try and we're really excited. It's Friday night. Go have fun. Yeah. Stop listening to podcasts. I hope you're on the train onto something fun in the car. Yeah, this is somewhere. This is meant to be listened to during work when you should be like, you know, when you're doing all the medial tedious tasks, listen to this. I, I want someone to be listening to this during a costume montage <laughs> as they're putting on their makeup yeah. and different Getting things. Inspired. This is on in the background. Yeah. There's like an intense pulsating soundtrack beneath it. Like, I think we set the scene. Yeah. We did this. And, you know, I, I, we have a fun Saturday for you for sure. Great guests. And then, you know, we're just excited to cap it off. we got two days left and we've got a, a mega double episode for you, of course, on Halloween. So be sure to listen to that. And, uh, you know, whatever, whatever day of this Maybe. weekend you're partying. We hope that it's safe and all that you hope for while you've been listening to this all month long. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, get ready. It's going to be a fun weekend. Take out the trash. Talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) Bye. I love trash.